0: Good to see you all today. Hope you all are doing well. Before I start, I do want to uh pray for Trey and Kiki, uh, real quick. Trey and our really good friends. And I do want to uh, say uh, pray for the things he asked for us to pray about before uh going into the sermon. So please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for uh the Adams and their friendship to our family and Thank you for the the church plant, Grace Point, and I do pray for that church plant, and I do pray for the pastor and the planner that you would use this church to uh, bring forth your kingdom in in Thailand, and I pray that 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 church plant will lead to more church plants. And I do pray for Kiki and her role with the well and her counseling responsibilities, that you give her energy and strength and stamina. And I pray for the pregnancy, uh, for the delivery of a little tray, that it would go well, And I do pray your continued blessings over their family. And it's a privilege and an honor to be able to join them in this ministry in Thailand. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, please open it to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Is truth dead? Take a moment to... Ponder uh, that question. I mean, let it know, swim around in your mind for a moment. Is truth dead? Is it dead? This this question is, is on the front cover of Time magazine's current issue. It's is printed in red print with a, with a back background, and it stares at you. It is loud and it's bold, and it's a simple question: Is truth dead? You see, Time Magazine, they're asking that question in relation to President Trump. I'm asking that question in relation to you. Is God's truth dead in your life? Is it simply something you engage once a week on Sunday mornings? But come Monday, is it still true? Is God's truth dead in your life, or is it alive and well? Blaise Pascal says, truth can be so obscured nowadays and lies so well established that unless you love the truth, you should never recognize it. Unless you love the truth, you should never recognize it. God's truth may be uncertain. It, it may be unclear to some, but it's not dead. It's alive and, and it's well. But do you love it? Do you really love it? And if you love it, you'll recognize it. And if you love it, you'll also rock it. And that's what we're getting ready to do. We're going to begin a new series today called Rock the Truth. And we're going to recognize it. We're going to rock it through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the truth that Paul recognizes in this chapter is the the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. You see, there, there, see in this church, in the Corinthian church, there is some denials and uncertainties and even confusions of, about the resurrection. And Paul ministers to those confusions in this chapter. He wants them to recognize the truth of the resurrection. He wants them to be able to rock the truth of the resurrection. But how? How can you do that? How can you rock the truth of the resurrection in your life? It's can to be done in four ways, and we're going to spend our time talking about those four ways. you got to name it. You've got to claim it. You've got to raise it. you got to inherit it. Those four ways. That's how you rock the truth. So if you have your Bible, First Corinthians 15. I was going to do all 11 verses, but you know your pastor, I'm too ambitious. So we're only doing two verses. <laughs> Chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Now I I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. This is God's holy word. Please pray with and for me. Father, I come to you again, but now I come and ask for a blessing over the preaching of your truth. This is not Pastor Alex's truth. These are not Pastor Alex's opinions. This is your word. Your inerrant word. Your holy word. Your perfect word. The word that you inspired, Lord, through the work of your spirit. And and I don't take it lightly. And we shouldn't take it lightly. So, Father, we need your spirit to, to move In us. You know where we are today. You know some of us are here for the reasons why we're here. Some of us really don't want to be here, but we're here. And while we are here, while we're together for these few moments, I pray that you will move in a mighty way in our lives. Help our unbelief, help our insecurities, help our doubts, help our confusion, help our. Uh, lost, if we're lost, or you will call us into your kingdom. You know us, and we need a word from you, Father. There's so many words that we hear throughout the week. So much we hear on TV and social media, on the internet. So much is, is speaking into us, and sometimes all that stuff clouds out your truth. But this day, at this time. That your truth reign. Let that be what goes into our minds, into our hearts, into our ears. And it will not fall on dead hearts. Help us to come with open hands. Help us to come as beggars. Saying, Lord, I need your truth. I need you to minister to me. Because it's, it's, I don't care how long we've been a Christian, we have not mastered your word yet. And we would never will. So, Lord, we come with humble hearts. It is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. You wrought the truth of the resurrection of Christ by first naming it. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? You see, the resurrection of Christ is, is one slice of a cake. It's not the whole cake. It's, it's just one important slice. To name it means you've got to actually name the cake. So what's the name of the cake? The name of the cake is the gospel. The gospel. And the resurrection of Christ is just one slice of the whole gospel. So what is the gospel? The gospel is God's good news of redemption for his sinful enemies. It's his bulletproof plan to reconcile to himself those enemies, creating peace. It's his way to restore A broken relationship with sinful human beings. You see, the gospel is the destroyer of sin and death. It's the satisfier of God's wrath, and it's the only platform that you can stand on before Him. That's the gospel. And the gospel is not fake news, it's not alternative facts. Okay? It doesn't have liberal bias. It doesn't have conservative bias. It's not uh, CNN propaganda, nor is it Fox News propaganda. It's not a call to withdraw from culture and the world. The gospel is unapologetically true and good news. And this is the gospel that Paul reminds the Corinthians of in the two verses before us. He draws their attention back to the gospel. He wants to jog their memory. He wants to clarify the gospel for them. Because, again, there is confusion in the church about the gospel. Uncertainties about the gospel. He says, I now, now I will remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preach to you. He wants to help them remember the gospel's role. In their life, and we need that same reminder. We're just like the Corinthians, cause we are a forgetful people when it comes to God's truth. We forget it all the time. Unbelief is like our little buddy, and everywhere we go, he comes with us. Unbelief, it's your buddy, and you can live your life if, if, as if the gospel is not true, as if it has no power, as if it is weak. Without power. And we all struggle with that. The gospel has a role in your life. And do you know it? Do you understand it? If you do, you can name it. And if you do, you can live it. I'm not talking about repeating gospel cliches. Because in Christianity, that we have cliches about everything. Even the gospel. Oh, just preach the gospel to yourself, brother. You'll be Okay. You never outgrow your need to preach the gospel to yourself. The gospel is the answer to everything, pastor. Just preach the gospel and everything will be well. But what in the world does that mean? Gospel cliches are useful for one thing. Facebook likes and Twitter retweets. That's it. The role of the gospel is is important and vital to your life. And you must know it. You must seek to understand it. And you must believe it. The same is true for the Corinthians. And that's why Paul reminds them of the gospel. That's why he clarifies it for them. That's why he names its role. First, he reminds them that they received the gospel when he preached it to them. And what they received from Paul wasn't Paul's preaching style and delivery of the gospel. It wasn't Paul's celebrity status. Okay? That's what we do. We, we, when we see a famous preacher, whatever that preacher says is, is the holy grail. That's not what they receive from Paul. They receive the content of the gospel. They receive the content of what he preached the meat of the gospel, the message, the words, the person of the gospel. And we know who the person of the gospel is that's Jesus. And that's what they received. He says, now I remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received. Which you received. The gospel cannot be taken. It cannot be stolen. You all can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it with cash or a credit card. You can't get it by being good, by having your best life now. By good southern folk who go to church every day. You can't get it that way. You can't put it on layaway either. Nor can you have coupons and all that. Do you know why? Because the gospel is a gift. It's a free gift. They can only be received by faith alone. So have you received it? Have you truly received it? Or are you just playing the role? Pretending that you have what you really don't have. And when you receive this gospel, like the Corinthians, they didn't turn their backs on it. When Paul preached it, they listened to it. And and it didn't go into one ear out the other ear. They heard the good news and they received it because the Holy Spirit changed their dead hearts. And they were able to believe. His work, the Holy Spirit's work, enabled them to accept the gospel as true, to agree with it, to accept it in faith. And as a result, they are currently standing in this gospel, that same gospel. Look at verse 1 again. Paul says to them, I'm reminding you of the gospel I preach to you, which you received and which you stand. They received it, and now they're standing in it what does that mean? Cell phone companies like AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon, they offer phone upgrades to their customers every two years. This, this allows you to get the latest version of your smartphone because the latest version always comes with some new feature that it didn't have before. And because of that feature, you've got to go stand in line all night long to get it. You see, we want the upgrade version. We don't want the old version. We want the upgrade. This is not just true with cell phones. You can upgrade just about anything in your life if you got the money. You can upgrade your house. You can upgrade your clothes. You can upgrade your gaming system. You can upgrade your church. Now, come on now. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You can upgrade your kids' education. You can upgrade your career. You can upgrade your spouse. You can upgrade your identity. You can upgrade your body. You can upgrade your car. You can upgrade your relationships. You can even upgrade your pastor. Because we love to upgrade what's old, we love to upgrade what's boring. We love to upgrade what's going out of style. We love to upgrade what is no longer working for us. If it ain't, if it ain't working for us, then it's not useful. Now I've got to get an upgrade. But the gospel can't be upgraded. It can't be upgraded. It came with all the bells and whistles. God gave it all the platinum and premium features when he gave it to us. Amen. Amen. You can't pimp the gospel. It's already pimped. It's already dressed to the nines. And in the words of outcasts, it's so fresh and so clean already. Wow. It doesn't age. Its value doesn't depreciate over time. It holds its value. When you drive the gospel off the lot, it holds its value for all eternity. Amen. It's not a car. And the gospel doesn't change. It won't ever change it. It has unlimited resources. It has a well that will not run dry. And when you receive this gospel, you don't walk away from it. You don't walk away from it. You don't use this resource and the benefits and say, I'm going to move on to another gospel. no. No, no. You receive it, and now you stand in it forever. You stand in the gospel as truth. Your feet must be firmly planted in the gospel, your derriere must be permanently seated in the gospel. And hear this and believe this. You will never outgrow your need of the gospel because you are being saved by that gospel. You are being saved by it, you never outgrow your need of it. This is exactly what Paul is telling the Corinthians. Now I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preach to you, which you receive, by which you also stand, and by which you are also being saved. Pay close attention to Paul's words. The gospel isn't saving them. Someone else is using the gospel to save them. And that someone is God. That someone is God. He performs the act of salvation. He rescues you. If you're here today and you are a believer and you profess faith in Christ, you do that because God pulled you out of damnation. You didn't pull yourself up out of the pit. God snatched you up out of the pit. That's how you got it. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? God uses the gospel to save you, to save the Corinthians. And where are you being saved from? He's not saving you from a bad day. not saving you from a bad hair day. You've been saved from your sins. Your sins. And sin is not just the, your actions. It's your heart. That's the problem. The best person you know, the best human being you know, on their best day, is still a sinner. They're still a sinner. If if we could... If, put it this way. If God judged on marriage, all dogs will go to heaven because dogs are usually loyal. But he don't judge on human merit. The only merit that counts is Christ's merit. And you've got to have faith in him to get that merit. He saves you from judgment. You've been saved from God's wrath. Remember what I said earlier. The gospel is God's good news or redemption for his sinful enemies. It's his plan to reconcile to himself a fallen people. To create peace. And Jesus Christ makes all of that possible. Because through his death, through his cross and resurrection, you can have newness of life. All right, get my thing here. Amen. 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 Unless it doesn't mean anything to you. You're receiving Jesus in faith when you receive the gospel. Because the gospel is about Jesus. Apart from Jesus, the gospel is not good news. It means nothing. It's the person of the gospel that makes it powerful. And when you're standing in the gospel, you're standing in Jesus. As one song says, here in the love of Christ I stand. Here in the death of Christ I live. Here in the power of Christ I stand. That's the gospel. But do you believe that? Or do you live as if the gospel Or Jesus Christ is dead in your life. If you have never received Christ, then today is the day. Not tomorrow. Not when you get your life straightened out. Not when you got to take care of some business. No, today is today. That you can come, confess, repent, and believe on him right now. Confess that you're a sinner. Repent of those sins. And surrender your life to him in faith. Depend upon him alone as both Lord and Savior. But will you come? Jesus was beaten for you. Okay? He bled for you. He died for you. And that's just not a story that we just tell on Easter. That happened. That is truth. We sung about it. Living, he loved you. Dying, he loved you. He saved you. Buried, he carried your sins away. Rather than he justified you forever. But do you believe that? Or is it just a song that can get you moving and clapping your hands? We're not talking about just being emotional here. We're talking about truth. that should have an impact in our life. Jesus made a way out of nowhere when he came to this earth. There was no other way by which we could be made right with God if Christ did not come. There is no plan B. There's only plan A, and Jesus is plan A. He's plan A. God uses the gospel to transfer you from a state of sin and misery into a state of grace. God makes that transfer. He makes it. He came, Jesus came to the jailhouse, talked to the warden, and said, I need president of so, 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 so. I'm going to transfer this prisoner out of this place. But you know what? I'm going to take his place. Bam! He doesn't walk out with you. He takes your place in the jail cell. So you can be transferred out to a better life. That's the gospel. Again, people. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Let me put it this way. God uses the gospel to upgrade you. Now let us sit there for a moment. Because some of you think you were already upgraded. No, you were not You wasn't upgraded. You were broken. God uses the gospel to upgrade you. From sinner to saint. From orphan to child. From enemy to friend. Do you believe it now? From lost to found. From rejected to accepted. From death to life. From war with God to peace with God. Can I get an amen, please? Yes. From slave to sin to free from sin. From guilty to pardon. From objects of God's wrath to objects of God's unmerited favor. You've been upgraded. And if you haven't been upgraded, do you want to be upgraded? You gotta to come to Greece to get that upgrade. Can't go to T Mobile, can't go to Buddha, can't go to Muhammad, can't go to the government, can't go to anybody else but Jesus. If you want to be upgraded. And if you have already made that decision of faith in Christ, if you already have come to Him and surrendered your life to Him, then you're good, baby. You're good. He has washed you in His blood. Okay? Think about this. Jesus was, if Jesus was a car wash, you drove in there all muddy, broken. Then he washed you in his blood. He waxed you up and down in his blood. He detailed you with his blood. You're clean and you're fresh and you're shiny. And you don't ever have to go back to the car wash again. Because the blood covers you. One time. One time. One time. He made a way. So that you can be made right with God. And that blood that Jesus shed for you way back on Calvary. That blood that gives you strength. From day to day. It will never lose its power. Do you believe it? It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. It, it soothes all your doubts. and calms all your fears. It dries all your tears. The blood that gives you strength from day to day will never lose its power. You are spotless in Jesus. Don't you think about that. When God sees you covered in the blood, what he sees is someone who is spotless. No more upgrade is needed. Already clean. Enough. All you got to do now is just live it. And believe it. The gospel is truth. And you must rock it. You must name it. You must live it. And most of all, you got to believe it, people. You got to believe it. So this is going to be a long series. I'm excited about it. And I'm done for the day. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, I, I want to thank you for the cross, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for its power. Thank you that you didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. That you have mercy on us. And so I pray that as we go about our weeks, help us to know that that we are safe with you. We are spotless. We don't have anything to prove to you because Christ has already done it for us. So let that gospel help us, mold us, change us, and also let it give us peace. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Please stand as we close our service.